So, doctor, you're saying that I'm gross? No, I'm just saying that you haven't had a cleaning in three years and, uh, you know, you need a gross debridement. So that's the debridement you do on gross people? Well, well not exactly. <laughs> and I just, I've seen so many people fall on that sword where a patient comes in and they want a cleaning and we fight them and we're saying, you can't get a cleaning today. You can't get a profi. You have, you to, have to have a gross debridement. Or... And then they write you a bad review because they wanted a right. cleaning. When a gross debridement is really just an insurance code yes, for cleaning the teeth that you see. So you, the, to the patient, yes, their teeth are now clean, but there's a whole bunch of crap below the gum line that you didn't get to yet. Mm -hmm. But the patients are probably like, can we just do this all the time? I just want to look good. I just want to do that whitening you did. But obviously, I... we, we use verbiage. And some of it is benefited for insurance companies. Some of it is benefited for our instructors in dental school. But usually, it's not benefited for patients. And it drives a lot of upset. The people that, Greg, in your life, think about all like the dental masters that you've known, right? Who are just masters at enrolling. One thing I think without fail you would say is that they have an excellent way of communicating with not only their team, but also patients. And they do not use words like, uh, like this, right? you know, Ms. Jones, we're going to do a gross debridement and walk out of the room kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it, it's part of the puzzle in my opinion for enrolling is to, is to yeah. empathize with where the patient is. And they didn't, they didn't have the benefit of four years of dental school to be on the same page of you as knowing what a radiograph is even. Right. I don't know what a radiograph is, say x-ray. <clears throat> right. And so today we're going to talk about just some, some key things. Uh, uh, words to use and words to possibly eliminate or phrases to use in lieu of. And I posted this question on our Mighty Networks, which has got you know about a thousand users now, Craig, up on That's the awesome. uh, yeah, and and people can join. It's a free place to join and post questions and, and just collaborate with like-minded dentists, you know, bulletproof type dentists. Um, at, just go to bulletproof.dental if you haven't joined. But anyway, this question was posed is basically I was just sitting there thinking, I don't know what popped in my head, but I posted this question and it got a lot of good feedback from people kind of collaborating and saying, This, you know, I got another suggestion of one to talk about. But I was basically it, it, the title of it is basically just, and it did start with gross debridement, I think to your point, Craig, but I'm going to go ahead and put it up on the screen. And if you're able to follow, um, if you're watching this on YouTube, good for you, because now you get to see it. If not, we'll, we, Craig and I will verbally kind of talk about this. Um, so we talked about the gross debridement thing, which I, which I think if I had a dollar for every time I've ever heard that in dentistry, it'd be a fair amount of dollars. Um, and you just cringe because you know, uh, the patient is, is not going to say anything more than of course, yeah. they'll probably, they'll probably maybe, you know, leave with a, a little butt hurt, maybe <laughs> not enroll and maybe yeah. give you a little bit of a bad review, but they're not going to say anything in there because they're, they, they are already feeling intimidated. Yeah. Um, their feet are up, the lights in their face. Yeah, they they're, they're lean back up. and you're probably, you're probably talking to them like where they're fully reclined and that's, and they're doing isometric sit up just like trying to listen to you. Literally they're, they're literally crunching <laughs> hands they're shaking because it's been like five minutes. Like, can I lean back? Just I'll do whatever it is, but I never mean, mind. Never mind the bad language and the way it sounds like. They wait, wait, we need to pump, put, put a put pin in that one for a second, because that too, if I had a dollar for every time you've seen that, look, yeah, leaning anytime, back. All Anytime you have to talk to a patient, just hit the up button, even if it's for five seconds, even just to look them eye seconds. to eye, right? Yeah. When you're done, just so look them eye to eye, need to the light, the overhead light or your headlight is in their eyes in and their they're eyes. doing an isometric crunch and you're trying to enroll them. So what do you think of the veneers? They can't even speak. The core is shaking. No, and there's, and there's a mirror and explorer in their mouth more than likely, right? And no, the suction is there still. It's sucking the whole time. And when they close their lips, it sucks their sinuses. Oh, um, God. 
so never mind the fact that the gross to Brideman is offensive at 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 best. It's also they're upset because they wanted a cleaning and they right. got a cleaning. A gross to Brideman is a type of cleaning. It's a cleaning to aid in diagnosis. So it's still if they have a date that night and they got a gross to Brideman, they look better. It didn't take away all the disease, but it, it, it's a step in the right direction. So it's 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 the travesty is that. So, so you're not going to give me a cleaning? Well, you're not going to get a, a cleaning as a prophylaxis and you're getting a gross debridement. <laughs> Why go through this? Why go through this? Then you're it's right. Like, Some people die on this hill, right? Yeah. It's like you go to Chick-fil-A. Can I get the four-piece nugget box? No, but you can get a box with four-piece nuggets so, in it. I think, you know, I, I made a faux pas just for everyone in full transparency. We've already done this podcast one time and I hit, forgot to hit record, but things are always better. Thank, than thank God time. I didn't do that, Peter. Yeah, I would have. You would have. You would have scorched you. I would have dog cussed you up and down on, yeah. on the podcast, but it's okay if I do it. Yeah. But what I was saying, yeah, Craig, is, wrong. is, um, is that, you know, now, now I damn lost my train of thought because I was thinking about literally scorching, but the, um, I really did forget the, Anyway, we'll we'll get in we'll get into the, the whole the the whole meat of the podcast. Yep. Um, so I posted this, like I said, a mighty network, and I'm going to kind of go through some of the comments because I think this is good fodder for kind of talking about some of the suggestions, right? If you crowdsource the question and you put it back in, and, and I think there's some there was some good feedback. So Anthony Gonzalez actually posts and he says he says kind of eliminate the the quote you need, and he said it's a hard habit to break. I tell people about their condition whether it's perio or cracked teeth or a ridge. And then I say the solution, right? Yep. And then, um, and what we were talking about earlier, Greg was basically if on the last, on the last time I hit record was that people continue to kind of verbally vomit, right? They don't let there be pauses. They just, the doctor just comes, comes in, does a little monologue and leaves. Right. Yep. So try to do a problem. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's how we would fix it. And then just wait, wait for a follow-up question from them. Right? I add one thing to that, Peter. So okay. I say, what's the current condition? What's likely to happen over time? You know, the prognostication of the condition and then uh, the solution. And sometimes not even the solution because things that are really easy, you got decay. If you don't fix it, you know, I've seen these types of cavities go from where they are now mm -hmm. to root canal or extraction really quickly. And then I've seen other people that, you know, they come back six months and it hasn't really changed very much, but I just don't know where you're going to be. I don't have a crystal ball. I, I like this actually, because the more you say you need, it's, it's you being judge and jury and dictator, right? And it's just no. like, look, my job here is not to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. My job is to, is to, you know, my training dictates that I show you what I see is faulty, what's going right. to cause a problem in the future. And, and educate you, you're paying and you're, Correct. Sorry, Correct. dentist, you're paying the dentist for advice. And that's why I get so upset with medical providers. Like, you know, like I've gone to medical doctors before. I'm like, listen, I'm 51 years old. You know, there's nothing wrong that I know about, but I want to know, is there some test or something I can do to give me a better, better intel on my health to which most doctors are like, you're not sick. Get out of here. Yeah, and right. that's not what we're looking for. Dentistry is not about getting you oftentimes just unsick, it's talking about optimal wellness. So let's say you have no cavities, you have no periodontal disease, but you're 35 years old and your incisal edges on your lower teeth have worn two millimeters off because you have a deep bite or an exaggerated curve of speed. If you don't have that conversation with that 30 something year old, when they're my age, they need a freaking FMR. 
And mm -hmm. I'd be mad at all the dentists I saw. And by the way, I have a good anecdotal experience on this because I meet patients every day. I do an uh, Itero scan. I look at their weather map, the occlusal scheme, and I'll rotate the lower arch so they can see it. And I see the thickened buccolingual edges mm -hmm. of the anterior incisors, meaning teeth are pyramid shaped. They've worn off the top three inch, the top three millimeters. Now they're like two millimeters wide buccolingually. I tell them, hey, you're 28, that's a problem. <clears throat> or 38, that's a problem. To which an overwhelming percentage say, no one has ever told me this before. So we're sucking as dentists from telling them about occlusal disease. It's not just the absence of cavities and perio. But it's Craig, it's, disease so is this is a hard thing, right? So being a, and, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, I feel like, you know, it's, it's being able to diagnose is one thing, but being able to communicate that in a language that the patient understands that's not, that's not in, in almost in a disarming, hopeful way is this is the, is the next level of good to great kind of, in my all opinion. I'm saying Peter, and I, and we're not going through the tech right now, this little rant that I'm going on is not about the communication style. It's incumbent upon you as a dentist yeah. to tell them what's going on. Right. That's it. And even if you preface it that way, like, Hey, I'm noticing something here that I'm concerned about. Sheila, the hygienist brought it up. I just want to talk to you about this where. Mm -hmm. What I do about it with well, a lot of different things you could do about it. Minor thing would be wear a night guard. Number two, you could move your teeth. Number three, you could rebuild them. But I just need to talk to you about it. And I think that professionals are being dumbed down. Um, you know, medicine is going telemedicine. The art of diagnosis is going away. Everything's being processed. And, you know, if this, then this. Like when you go into the hospital, it's like they just run a series of tests because if this test comes out positive and that one comes out negative, you must do these two other things. Right. In dentistry, by and large, we still have uh, freedom to communicate properly with our patients. And I'm just shocked at the lack of um, guidance that most professionals give us. You know, like, yeah, you, you might want to consider new breaks. Well, why? I don't know, because they're kind of wearing versus <laughs> like, hey, if you got in an accident with the breaks that you're in, and you slammed on them, you've lost 70% of your breaking power right now. Yep. How, are you okay with that? Some people are like, yeah, that's kind of cool. I live in a rural community. But if I live in where I live, I don't want to lose 70% of my breaks. Thanks for telling me that. Yeah. And what do we need to do me? to fix it, right? It, but if you could show me if there was like a breakometer, <laughs> I would like, I would buy new breaks. Oh, there is. It's called, it's wear on the brake pad. But anyway, right. the, no, um, thanks. That was, a, that was, you just alphaed me. I didn't know for you. Yeah, I didn't know for you at all. Yeah, it's like, car analogy. It's like, honey, it's the, called the brake indicator. Craig, have you ever changed your own oil in a car? Own oil? No, no, sir. I've changed the oil in a bike, a motorcycle. Okay. <clears throat> okay, keep going. Okay. All right. So, Sharissa Wood, our, our Sharissa of, of Bulletproof Hygiene, chimed in and said, instead of saying this won't hurt, try, we're going to keep you really comfortable during this, right? And that is good because this won't hurt, although it has great intentions. The patient focuses on the word hurt, right? Yeah. Scan. So next one, I chime back in because I'm having fun with this. I'm chiming into my own thread now. Scaling and root planing, right? Craig, what, you know, and the patient says, well, that, that doesn't, yeah. you're going to have to have a scaling. My teeth and, in the bone. Yeah, or we're going to SRP you. We're going to need to do some SRP, Mrs. Jones. What's that? It's scaling and root planing. Well, neither one of the, one sounds confusing and one sounds like it hurts like hell. Yeah, either right. one sounds like a good option. So a very viable thing might, might be to talk. If, and when I say talk, obviously you're talking in front of the patient and talking in front of the hygienist. Um, is might be a, a deep quadrant scaling. Oh, no, we do NSPT. 
non-surgical periodontal therapy in my office, NSPT. That's what you say? Non-surgical periodontal therapy. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a little uh that's a little clunky too. It just right? sounds it just sounds better. It's non-surgical. I like that. That's true. <laughs> Who doesn't like a non-surgical? Yeah. We can um, do SPT, surgical periodontal therapy. You can have it your way. Uh so Jason, uh Tessor Craig, help me with that his last name. Why am I Tessoriero? Tessoriero. Okay, good. See, I didn't, have the tongue, I, didn't have, I didn't have the tongue roll. I know. Um, I don't know if it belongs in there. Come, it's, up. Instead of saying, sorry, I'm running late or running behind, instead try, thank you for your patience. Yeah. I think that's a great one. Right? That's a great I one. I mean, like just take cues from like the nice hotels you go to. We're going to go ahead and put your credit card on file. We're going to go ahead and take care of your balance today. Oh, mm -hmm. you going to do this for me? How nice. Yeah, thank you for doing that. Thank you. We're going to go ahead and take care of your balance. It's okay if I put it on the card right at the get. So Frank chimes in with uh, Frank Michitti. Uh, yeah, Michitti chimes in with, instead of periodontal disease, try gum infection, right? Yeah. And I actually really like that um, because everyone, especially for, you know COVID infection, everyone knows infections need to be cured. Infections need to be addressed. Infections need to be treated. Uh, versus periodontal disease seems like, you know, what I don't know what that is. Is that <clears throat> is that something we can do? Uh, so I, I, I like the gum infection um, aspect. Yeah. Plus, people are very attuned to when you have an infection, wanting to fix it immediately. So yeah, I'll, say, I, you yeah. have an infection, what do I do? Yep. And then Kerry Brown is our next one. He says, I think this is a great topic. Uh, for extractions, I say, I want to make sure you're comfortable the whole time. So raise your left hand if you feel anything aside from a little pressure, just need a break. Instead of if you feel anything sharp or painful, yeah. right? Yeah. Got it. Which is going to put them on alert even prior to the uh, meaning. If you say the latter of what Carrie, uh, Carrie is saying, then it's going to be uh, they're already getting ready for something to hurt, right? Um. Let's see, gold, gold. Okay, okay, Angela. I love the yet. Yes. So we say things like, "Is anything bothering you?" Instead of something is saying anything bother you, because people are inclined to be like, "Nope, looks good. Everything's everything's fine." Like you were saying earlier, Craig. People just kind of want to get in and get out, or say, "Does this hurt?" Instead, say, "Does this hurt you yet?" Yeah. Yet. Are you feeling this yet? Yeah, well, no, what do you not, mean yet? and they go, they always say the same thing, not yet, but when I'm like, I don't have a crystal ball. Mm, I also good. like when you move forward with treatment versus uh -huh. if. Yeah. that's important too. Like, that's just uh, a little bit more sales coaching. Let's see, Craig, can you help me with this last one. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, so VJ, um, I think VJ's in Australia, she's been commenting for a long time. That's kind of yeah. cool. So, go ahead and read that in an Australian accent if you don't mind, Pete. For treatment plan recommendations, I would say this is would be this would be best. How's that, Craig? Uh, that was pretty good. I like it. So right. rather than this is what I recommend, yeah, I think it's great. She uses the term analogy for untreated caries. Yeah, I love that. This and is I know what would be best rather than this is what I recommend. I do like that. I do like that. I use the termite analogy for untreated caries, meaning also to give patients give that's. Also, to remember to give the patient room to speak, like we were kind of alluding to earlier, like give yeah. give give a little pause, give them some, give them. It's not a monologue, right? It's a conversation. Um, I want to I want to put something as a placeholder right now because what we're talking about is often considered to be a taboo subject. 
because we're using the words like how to sell, mm-hmm. right? So, so the U.S. government probably spends, I don't know, tens of millions of dollars, maybe more on getting us to just click our seatbelts in or stopping smoking or, or, you know, just trying to live better, less diseased lives, uh, less morbid lives. And what we're doing here is we're trying to figure out how to, because unfortunately, you know, teeth don't always have the symptoms present to what's actually going on. When you have an arthritic change in your joint, you feel it, you seek care. Teeth happen to have something where by the time you feel it, you're up the creek. It's too late. If you come with a toothache, you're not getting an occlusal filling with a toothache. Right. toothache. <laughs> so so there's, a, there's a disconnect between understanding and the problem that's, ramp, that, that's a problem in dentistry, and we need to talk about it. So we do need to develop really refined ways to describe and enroll things because if patients do the preventative treatment that we recommend, they're going to spend less money and have less care. I do not want an FMR. Neither do you, Peter. None of us right. want FMRs. But if we're not comfortable talking about the incipient forms of disease, and then we kick it down the road, we're going to have a bunch of 55 and 65-year-old people needing massive dentistry because we were just afraid to enroll them. Or we thought, I, I don't f- feel comfortable selling. And, and then guess what happens? Then it's super sweaty back. Because if you've got right. a patient for 15, 20 years, Doc, I've been coming to you for 10 years. Why didn't you say something earlier? Why didn't you? Right. And then and it's then a you, super sweaty back. Right. So it almost, and then you, you as a clinician almost anticipate that and like, well, what if they challenge me? So then guess what you do? You don't say anything at all ever. Right. Because, yeah. Yeah. Right. You get so, one review. Oh, I went to Dr. Bull and he recommended I needed all his work done. I went to some other guy and he, he said, they need nothing. nothing because what, what's, what is age inappropriate where you can take a girl, you know, that's 25 years old with perfect bite, perfect occlusion. She's worn her teeth down to like what a 60-year-old should be, but she's got no cavities and no periodontal disease. So you say, hey, we need at minimum a night guard or at maximum, you need to rebuild your posterior and your guidance and blah, blah, blah. And then they go to the other schlepper down the road be like, whoa, he tried to tell you you need 50,000. No, no, no. You need nothing. You're fine. Oh, You're Dr. Spodak, he's trying to pay yeah. for his boat. He's trying to pay for his boat. But isn't but that's so dis, disheartening because we right. just need to get on the same page and and I think this is an important topic to just elaborate on that don't if if you don't have the training don't disparage the other person I think we do such a disservice I think the greatest force against dentistry is not the corporate DSO blah 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 it's other dentists shit talking each other without a doubt I see too yeah. much of it you too much the, you know what the dental firing squad is Craig. Yeah, you all stand in a circle. Yeah, it's a circle. Yeah, mm. it sucks because it you know it, it's. Um, I mean, there is overtreatment. There are overzealous dentists, but you know, there's a lot of 55 year old dentists going through level one of coice and spear, and you know why? Because they probably just practiced a certain way their their whole career, and they had those sweaty backs where they saw little Gina, and she was 18 years old, and told her not to worry at 25 and 35, and now she's 40. And she has a collapsed video and her teeth are worn to shit. They look at their old photos and be like, damn, I got to go learn occlusion at that point at 55. Well, kudos, kudos to them because some people will practice their entire lives and never learn occlusion, never do an FMR. Uh, I, I think the takeaway with this one, Greg, is, is you know, I'm big on saying the word audit. You know, audit Always. your patient experience. Also, the, audit the way you're 
reception area looks, audit the way, you know, the clinical flow, audit the way your phone is answered. Audit means just continue to review. But in all of your language, all of your language. Uh, so so in this context, yes. Yeah. When you're not doing something, go eavesdrop on your hygienist. Go eavesdrop on some of the assistants in your office, right? And 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 if you've kind of mastered the art of verbiage or you can you are master the art of being uh, empathetic towards patients in, in clinical presentation, if you will, then it's your job as a leader to then teach that, right? And that's a whole, then kind of teaching it into your, your hygienist or your assistant or your front, uh, your business manager or, or business team that answers the desk. That's a whole art itself. Like, don't it, not that way, stupid. You know, you can't do that. Oh, yeah. You have to, you have and, to, and they're done like, that. Hey, right. You have to say, that was good. That was good. Next time, you know, what I'd say instead is something like this. So you kind of sandwich it and there's a whole art in correcting people and leading people and training people. Um, and what you're really talking about, by the way, is a global consciousness to audit yourself, um, self-awareness, you know, just because you're saying it and you're, and it's not working just because the way you're leading your team and you're really, you know, when you catch them doing something wrong, you beat the crap out of them. Mm -hmm. I, I've been there. I've done that. Or the way you're speaking to your kids, language is the most powerful tool because it's, it's your sub vocal thought. It's the way you think. So if you start listening to the way you speak to patients and you're aware of the saying the word bone or gross debridement, <clears throat> you become globally aware of how you're speaking. And by the way, there's something that like when you talk about fixed and growth mindsets, people that are growth mindset use the word yet a lot. Right. I don't know how to play tennis yet versus like, oh, I suck at tennis. No, you haven't had lessons or whatever. So I think that there, if you can just start turning your focus on the way you speak and the, you know, and your words you use globally, you're going to live a better life because you're going to audit it and change it. Things that are not working, you'll get better. Even recording yourself, right? Not for the context of like a patient conversation and oh, I have this documented, but like record, video record, put an iPhone up, and you're about to have a, con a conversation with someone and then record it because lots of times you can go back and watch that and be like, Oh, I said that I should have said this. And you won't remember the lesson in there. Right. Um, but it's just repetitions. It's just practice like anything else. Right. The more reps you do, yeah, it's a new muscle. Pro progress isn't perfection, but uh, I'm sorry, perfection. Pro yeah. It's, it's progress. Not perfection is where I'm trying to go. Right. right. And by the way, progress is what makes people happiest just going forward, even if you're crawling forward, getting a little better every day. And I've been really lucky. I've been surrounded by great practitioners <clears throat> over my career. And I'd listen to them like, wow, that's really good. So simple. Mm -hmm. And also just being confident in what you do. I've had doctors that do it all wrong, by the way. I've had the doctors like, we're going to drill your bone and blah, 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 blah. But they're so confident and they're so excited about what they're going to do. I feel like, <laughs> can, I don't know what you fast. just said, buddy, but I like you and I'm going yeah. for it. So it's like that swagger too. You can say it all wrong. Yep. But for us mere mortals, we need to watch our language. We do. Yeah. And, and guess what? Vicariously, when you start upping your game without even saying something, the team will hear you start to say that over and over and over again. So instead of, if, you know, when you would have said scaling and replaying, now you're saying gum infection, right? Deep gum, you know, something like that. All of a sudden now the, 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 the vernacular changes in the office, it does. It does. right? And because it's a top down, like everyone is looking <clears throat> to you potentially to lead. Right. You know, yeah. when you have a bad day, the office knows it, right? The office yeah. potentially could have a bad day too, because you're usually the tip of the spear. If you're listening to this pod.
Um, and by the so, way, so, so you know how someone commented on a mighty network about giving the patient the space to understand and process. Yep. Same thing with your leadership skill. You know, when you're when you're a person, you know, potentially like me who likes to be the center of attention, talks a lot. Um, I can suck the oxygen out of the room, and that affects leadership too. So, the, these these lessons that we're talking about for patient language are really just for communication in general. Um, it's important for people to trip over their own truths, for people to recognize the mistakes they made and not have you, you know, hold it against them. The idea that patients have choices and, you know, when they say, well, are you telling me I have to do this? No, you don't have to do it. You can just leave it. It's, a, it's an incipient process. It took you 20 years to get this way. And, you know, you can kick this can down the road. It's just my obligation is my duty as your dentist today. To tell, to tell you everything I know, because when they know what we know, they make better decisions. If your roofer tells you that, like the brake pad analogy, you know, is that this podcast or the one we didn't uh, record from before? I don't remember pad. now, but you can go ahead and you can. Yeah, say but it's it. like, oh god, I think it was just imagine you just want me to like step into this one. But imagine <laughs> yeah. if they, they you could know that. So it's like the doctor. When I go to my doctor, I'm finally you know going to take a page out of Peter Bolden's book and be like really proactive with my health. Because Peter's not reactive. Peter's like, if there's something that I can do, uh, thank God I've got the money and resources. If there's a $500 test or a $2,000 test that's going to show me something, let me have it. And I went to my doctor and I'm like, you know, I'm not worried about money. You know, is there anything you can do to tell me to, to be at the next level of my healthcare? And he's like, nothing. And then I talked to all my friends and there's cardiac calcium scores and CT scans and that cancer thing you did. Right. And Frank's son. And Frank signed you, jackass. <laughs> so put a pin in that. Peter and I both have creases in our ear. We'll leave it at that. Peter, literally on the night of our pod of, of our summit, we were sitting in the in the street, like preparing for the next day. He's like, bro, this this might be the last time I see you. <laughs> and got really under my skin. He's like, you know, with that Frank sign, that crease in your ear, you you may not be around that long. You might have a heart attack right there. Right now. Time. In the stage, he's like, he's like, look around. Do you see an AD? I don't. I, and yours is so deep. I don't know. I'm like, I love you, but this this might be your last summit. <laughs> so you proceeded to go around and tell everyone, like, look what he did to me. Look what yeah. he said to me right before. It's like, uh, it's like what, right when we went up on stage. KK was on stage, and KK obviously works with Tony Robbins. She's a total badass. And he's like, as soon as she introed us, twenty minute intro, he's like, dude. This is all on you, buddy. I would not <laughs> want to be going up after KK. This is going to be very hard. Friends <laughs> <laughs> are for. So let's get back to language. Hey, well, did, wait. Destructive language is a friend. <clears throat> the um, yeah, language is language is everything, like you're saying, and you know, and that's why I think even we talk about body language so much, right? Because yes, language is huge, but a lot of things are nonverbal as well. So yeah. that's a whole different topic. We've had that conversation. An excellent podcast is the Chris Ramsey, Chris Ramsey. One we did a couple of years yeah. ago. Um, but Craig, this is the, the verbiage is such an important thing that I think we, we both believe, our offices both believe, our doctors all believe, you know that it was important enough for us to actually put it in the field manual. So I think we have in our field manual, I think we have that we give out at the summit, a couple pages of these examples of like, instead of this, try this. Yep. And look, these are little micro shifts. So you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that's, you know, whatever. <laughs> you're talking about words, like not important, but it's little tiny shifts, right? There's never, everyone's always looking for the big lever. Give me the oh, marketing deck, like Craig yeah. says, right? Uh, what's this yell pack that's going to take me from 1 million to 2 million? There isn't one. What it is, it's a series of a hundred little tiny levers like this. Yep. 
right? This may be one of a hundred things that you start implementing that all of a sudden now your practice is going gangbusters. And you're like, what did we change? We don't really know, but it's this 1% betterment every day. 1%, 1%, Well, I think to the, you know, Patrick, but David always says the worst types of people who are hungry and lazy, people that want more, but they don't want to put the work in. Those are your haters. Those are your friends that you had to let leave behind. Those are some, those are the people that are most dangerous for you because they'll look at you, the person that's listening to the podcast. Cause if you're listening to the podcast, you're already in a segment of the population of like, I don't know at all. I want to learn. I want to get better. So we're already talking to a very, we're talking to an overachiever, but what you have to recognize is no failure is final and, and grandiose. It's a series of small failures and no success is, is final and grandiose. You know, you might get a break, but you just work every day and listening to a freaking podcast, you're choosing to get better. You could turn this crap off and go listen to Cardi B, you know, right now, but you're not. So it's, it's, I like that little, that you're in, you're in control and we're talking about growth mindset and learning, learning better techniques. Can you hear this coming through? No, No. is there there some, uh, it's a Patrick David, right? And so Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a example that I actually, that prompted this podcast to happen. And it was kind of, it's 10 persuasive words that millionaires use to get things done. And so this was actually, now that I remember, this was what prompted me to post it on Mighty Network. So listening to, you know, Patrick Bet David's things that he was saying, look, verbiage is so big, so big that, you know, and these are things that you want to use in business. And I was like, golly, there's, there's 10, but there's probably 20 or 30 in, in dentistry, right? Um, so I'll put this, I'm going to put this back to the screen, Craig, cause it's, he's saying just communicating with people. Let me share the screen again. And good. Okay. Um, you know, and these are things like, you know, what he's saying is to say things like, Hey, can I, can I request this of you as opposed to being like, I need you to do this, right? I'd like to make a request. Um, you know, asking, may I let's process this together. Let me get back to you. If you don't know the answer to something, you can say, Hey, let me get back to you. And I'll get back to you, right? As opposed to kind of just sitting there and being like, well, the answer is. So, so many things I think, Greg, are Some of these things, though, may I suggest, and let's process. This is vulnerability. This is right. like, you know, you think you're the boss of the practice. You know, you you just acquired a new practice. The old guy left or the old gal left. And now you're running the show. And we think as leaders, we have to have all the answers. And what this is, request, suggestion, may I. You're giving people space. And what most organizations need is not to whip them into shape like you hear all the time. Like, I took over this practice. I need to whip everybody into shape. I got to whip, you know, I got to get things back in order. It's not that. You're actually whipping them too hard. So it's like suggestion, may I, let's process this together. Those are palliative words that allow people to come out of their shell. You're getting people to to contribute. And that's what PBD does really well. And I was lucky enough, you know, you know, when he's in the chair, he'll he'll talk about like, I, I don't know if I ever told you the story, but he said something like, you know, I'll make up a name. He's like, hey, let me ask you something, Johnny. Ben, you know, because we're working on Ben's problem. He's like, does Ben have does Ben have a good relationship with his father? And uh, Johnny's like, no, no, no. Ben's the guy that, you know, his father left him when he was four years old. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. And then he moves on to the next thing. I'm like, well, Pat, Patrick, do you do you treat lead people differently if they have a good relationship with their father or not? He's like, I lead everyone differently. So he's that level. Wow. So like, do you know, Peter, I mean, I'll admit, I, I, I don't know for everybody, but do you know consciously in your organization whose doctor, which doctors have good relationships and bad relationships with their father? No. So I had to figure that out the hard way. 
and I led somebody like I like to be led and like you like to be led. Peter and I just don't fluff anything. Give me the real shit. What can I do better? Did I fuck it up? Tell me straight. Yeah, Craig, you fucked it up. Good. Move on. You and I have good relationships with our fathers. Good men, solid guys. We've been, I, I don't know. I don't want to get too woo-woo because you're going to fucking hang up on me right now. But mm. when you have a person that has a fragile self-construct, you actually need to step into the father they never had if you're willing to be that level of leader. And PBD is that level of leader, obviously. Um, so, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's just next level. He's next level, but that's why he gets next level <clears> results. <throat> All right, let's uh, let's let's wrap. Good, good segue. Good segue. Good Pierre. segue. Well, yeah. and, you know, look, it's important, and I think we're we're drawing business examples, right? Because as much <laughs> as we think that dentistry lives in a silo, and you know, there's lots of sales, there's lots of business communication, there's lots of leadership. I mean, it's, it's all the same things taken from different industries. It's the same thing. It's, it's still a business at the end of the day. Yep. So I think I think opening you know, your mindset to listening to people like PDB or Tony Robbins or whatever it may be, right? It only augments. The things that you can learn and and then you can audit it based in the environment you're in but so. one thing i just want to add to peter is as you get on in life like we we are and we have more experience in the larger network you start to see these people with exceptional results put an exceptional put an exceptional work in mm -hmm. so i used to really as, as a younger guy think like oh that guy got lucky you know he probably doesn't work that hard all the people like the pbds of the world or the tonys you get to see them in their private time you know and it's like damn i don't want to do that you know, I don't want right. to I can't do what Tony does. I can't do like, you know, even like what an APA does, you know, APA's flying around around the world, bro. I, list, I you know, that I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So did, you have did to you be see one of his, uh, you know, and I'm going to give you, I, I, I proclaim that I'm never on social media. And then I actually saw a post that he did recently and, and someone's like interviewing him about like, you need to, I need to send it to you. It's basically about like what next, what next, and he's kind of like, you know, ideally it's to train my next generation and me kind of tap out. Essentially, I was, yeah. I was floored because he's but usually been this like. If that's what he wants to do, everything's got to change because it's right. his social media is, is the him show. But that's um, and that's what the interview or said on this social media was like well everyone's coming for appa he's like no no, no. they think they're coming for me what they're coming for is a different level of experience. They've got yeah, it. That's, that's aspirational, and I I think that would be great if he if he <laughs> pulled that off. Um, but you know, if you it's it's fine. It's it is what it is. The point I was bringing him up is he's doing things that I'm not willing to do. I just don't right. want it. I, I know, but I want to do. PB, I don't want PBD's life, and I don't want Tony's life. It's magical, and you know, there's great things. But these guys are born to run, and they run. And it takes great sacrifice, probably. Oof, oof. you know. But they're called to it. I mean, a good business can can be a, like almost like a spiritual endeavor. I mean, if PBD is leading his people where he's saying, does that guy have a good father or not? He's not just doing business. He's doing like leadership. He's he's doing personal development. He's making people better. And that's a great calling. It's a great calling to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was telling him about, I said something about my son in baseball. He's like, I want to write this down. So when Gavin wanted to quit baseball, by the way, you know, mm -hmm. he was like little league, I don't know, six, seven years old. He's like, daddy, I just don't like it. I'm not good. I'm like, okay, no problem. We'll quit. No worries. Just do me a favor before you leave. Go in the dugout and tell everybody you're quitting just because I don't want to be the one that tells them. So he walks over. He's like, okay. He walks over and I could, I didn't follow him, but I saw him walk up to the first one. And then he said some things to the other one. He comes walking back. I'm like, well, what happened? He's like, I can't quit. And PB is like, I'm going to write that down. And it's just like that. That's, that's if we're, if we're doing our jobs well, we're, we're, we can elevate our team to that type of level. 
And, you know, it's fun to be the smartest person in the room. We get a lot of our ego um, stroked by being the leader, the boss and telling everybody what to do. But in, in actuality, when you unlock people's autonomy, you know, and making them make the hard decisions, you make people feel better. They work harder. You don't have to be there as much and everybody's happier. You know, so I think that's, um, and that's all language too. So I'm really trying to pull it all the way back home. These are language, you know, when you say like, we're going to do everything we can do to make you comfortable. It's also when you're leading your team, what should I do boss? What do you think you should do? Well, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you, what do you think I would do? You'd probably do this. That sounds good. Why don't you try it? What if it doesn't work? I don't know. So it's so hard. I mean, this is hard. This isn't (laughs) reading one book and then it's mastery and and I I am, by no means a master at things like that, you know, and, and uh, but I'm a student of it, kind of like you, Craig. I think you're more of a mastery level just because you have really high EQ and you know kind of how to you, you read people and you're able to say kind of things curated to what who they are. Essentially, you pick up on that. But I think just mastering the art of this communication is is something that'll make you a better person, not nonetheless yeah. dentist, right? But it's but it's never ending. Just when you it think you're good, you're like, Ali, I sucked at that, you know, and you're like, geez, know, you know? know, that's uh, the thing then, about being a human, and that's why you have to be you have to have so much grace for yourself. Because as Naval or I think it was Joe Rogan or Naval, they said, you don't don't give yourself too much credit. You're just an ape with a plan. You have a limbic system that you and I can have this rational conversation right now. In an hour, someone's going to cut off, cut us off on the way home from work. We're mm-hmm. going to spill our coffee. Your wife's going to call and scream at you. And now you're a freaking raging ape. And you're like, what just happened? I had this evolved conversation. So you have to understand that you're just, we're an emotional creature and we will never master it. There will always be a new situation that God or whatever the universe will put in your life to make you unzip. And you'll be like, what the hell was that? And I think the best hope for any of us is that we can dust ourselves off quicker than the last time rather than go through a seven-day tirade of feeling like shit. You can go through a seven-second. Like, hey, can I get a do-over? Whoa, whoa, wait, wait. I don't like what I just said. I'm really sorry I said that. I'm just upset my dog's sick or whatever. I'm really sorry that just can I get a do-over? What I meant to say was blah, 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 blah. And people mm-hmm. respect that shit. They respect that for sure. Even with a patient, by the way. So that just say, hey, I'm- a lot of pride to be able to say that though. Sometimes but you- you'll have a better life. I you agree. have a better life. You know, All right, let's wrap on that. We're we're going down we're going down rabbit holes. Um, well, you haven't had me on in a while, so these are the right. rabbit well, you've holes. Been, you've just been vacationing all around the planet. It feels like um, yeah. So extended yeah. extended Aspen. Do you think you could be a mountain man? By the way, since you've been in uh, the Rockies for a month, um, Aspen's a weird type of Rocky Rocky Mountain man. It's not the Rocky Mountain man that you're thinking of. It has nothing to do with the Marlboro Man, right? Think of like um, Zoolander. With a cowboy yeah. hat, basically, yeah. <laughs> and on cloud shoes and an H- Hermes belt, you know. So picture a guy with ass, you know, jeans, an Hermes belt, on clouds, and a Kimosabi cowboy hat that's like fourteen hundred dollars or twenty hundred dollars. And that's Aspen. That's Aspen, brother. But it was cool. I love it. I'm not complaining. You got to be back, back to the beach. Yeah, you know, yesterday I packed up and went out to the ranch and um, got some stuff done and. Um, good to be back. I always say that, you know, one of the things in life you're kind of winning at that if you go to an extravagant vacation, right, whether it's in a beautiful place like <laughs> Turks or, or, or Bahamas or Europe or something, and you're glad to be home, yeah. right? And, and you can't wait to get home because it's, you won, you kind of won, you're winning yeah. at life, so to speak. When you, when yeah, you yeah. desire to be home and back to your routine, it means that's where you're happy there. 
right? Yeah. So this perpetual vacation that people think that they want, I'm going to just travel the world. I want to sit on the beach with Corona or whatever it is, right? Like a lot of times the grass is greenest where you are. You just need yeah. to water it more. Yeah, that's true. hundred <laughs> percent. That's true. Very, but travel, I think, I think Greg travel makes you appreciate that, right? You appreciate your home more surprisingly than, you, than when you travel. <laughs> Um, yep. not that you're having bad experiences, but look, you were probably hyped to get home. Granted, you've been gone for a long time, but like you have more appreciation for your environment now because you have the context of other places. Yeah. I just think that, that if you, I think the monotony of, of one doing one thing or being sacrificed, having to do something, I think it's, you know, there's, there's this, there's this idea that if you could work not because you have to, because you want to. Yeah, too. Totally, that's a great thing. Like the drudgery of being being forced to do something. It's like when you had to read Moby Dick. Moby Dick's a great book, by the way. It's just you and I had to read it when we were like thirteen years old. It was freaking drudgery. Although you know, it's, so if you can just get your business, if you can either get your life, your practice life, so that you can balance your your burn and your earning um, number, or um, you know, or, or create a business that can function without you. It's really nice then to work because, um, that's, that's beautiful. I agree. I agree. Well, I can, I can say that everyone's glad to have you back, Craig. I was, cool, if I, had, buddy, thank if you. I had to try and curate solo anymore. I liked, I listened to all the podcasts. A lot of subscribers I, there. Pal. I loved them. I loved them all. Wow. I bet you were going to get a couple comments of like, I liked it better with uh, just the, you know, the P. Uh, I don't know. I've never heard that sentiment, but I would. I be, don't know. I'm, I might, I might make a fictitious. But if, but if it did, ha if it does it. happen, I might, uh, I might frame it and put it behind me in this, in this, um, in perpetuity, just so you can sit there and stare at it. Yeah, I appreciate that you do that for me. Good stuff. Right, Pete, anything else going on in your world? Nope. Just, uh, just building three offices in the next six months, but that's Oof. about it. No joke, brother. No joke. Yeah. I'm expanding. It's fun, so dude. That's fun. where I that's where I thrive. That's right. I know I, you do. You're a creative I get guy. lit up and um and it's just a series of events, building a headquarters and call centers and and, and you know, changing locations and building my boys new, growing up. The the what'd you say? My boys growing up. Yeah, yeah. So but it's fun, right? It's, it's I feel like I've been I plateaued or the practice, not I, but like our practice has plateaued for a couple of years. And um, it's it's time to make next level moves, regardless of where the economy is, regardless of where the, the uh, interest rates are. We, you know, we're we're charging, we're charging forward because um, why the hell not, Craig? Yeah, you're either growing you or dying. You why not me? Why not me? You always say that you're either growing or dying. You, yep. There's no such thing as coasting. Yeah, contracting or Peter, expanding. Peter Bolden. That's a Peter Boldenism. There's not many of them. But <clears> hi, brother. Well, I'm glad to have you back. Have a likewise, have a, buddy. Good to be back. Everyone thanks else. to all the listeners. If you like this content, please hit the like and subscribe button. We because we're doing that comments. now on YouTube, huh? Right? We're because we're uh, we're now YouTubers. Are we really? Well, I met a YouTuber out in Aspen. By well, way. if you if yeah, you, you met a YouTuber? Yeah, I did. Yeah, Dude, my my son was asked what he wants to do the other day, and he was like, I think he said, I, I believe maybe this was three or four months ago, but he was like, I want to be a YouTuber. And I was like, What'd oh, you just say? That's awesome. It's terrible. Wow, why not? My, my son wants to be a dentist. Well, that's because he's got fourth generation. It's easy. He'll just he'll step into step into a giant practice. Well, whatever. I told <laughs> the guys here if I get hit by a truck, you guys gotta break his balls. I literally said that. I said that he can get fired for being late. No nepotism here, buddy. I All love right. it. Good to I see you. It. Good Hi, to be bud. on this. I love this new, beautiful. What do we call this? 
it's just a it's, it's a it's just a template it's a it's, youtube template that we're, that doesn't we're feel just, fitting of what it is you can't say it's just a template for those well, who are listening to us go on youtube this is a master hours of peter's work this is put hours hours Greg just steps right in and be like hey this is cool let's roll yeah i've been gone for a month what's going yeah, on over I here i should go away more often <laughs> all right peter good to see you <laughs> good right, to Mike. listen good to talk to all y'all and uh we'll see you soon over now over now